welcome. Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and we're very excited to have you join us tonight. And We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. Other sponsors we'll talk about throughout the show, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. Um, before we get to our guest in the, in the studio, I want to recap a little bit about last week. Last week, we had our New Year's resolution show. We talked about goal setting, and we had listeners sent in, thank you very much for that, uh, their New Year's resolutions. And then we had athletes and coaches give you a pep talk to keep those resolutions throughout the year. When you get unmotivated or, um, you, you, you know, in January, you can't find a machine at the gym, but in October, it's wide open. But they gave you a little pep talk on each one of those. So Sadie Conway from Nixa, Lily May from Nixa, Jenny Talbert from Nixa, Lori Lubert was here, Lauren Lubert, Katie Pritchard from Marshfield, Avery Givens from Glendale, Coach Matt Powell from Glendale. Official, yeah, officials can be motivating. Shocker. I had to find out and found out that Jeff Gavilius was was motivating. Uh, Kevin Cheek and Kenzie Cheek from Skyline. It's a great episode. They did a wonderful job giving their pep talks. You can go to a coachesperspective.com and listen to it or on Apple, Spotify, or Helium Satellite Radio. All right, so welcome to my show. I'm very excited to kick off this series. I've been wanting to do this series for a long time. It's called an Effective Leadership Series. And I'm, I'm not just trying to um, schmooze my guest, but he was one of the first ones I thought of when I wanted to do this series, I knew I wanted to have him on, and I knew I wanted him to be the first one on the kickoff. So I want to welcome Coach Keith Gutton to the show. Thank you for your welcome, and thank you for paying me off in M and M's. Yes, you know how to get. He to works. A guy. He works cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good perk. So we got to talk about um, why I picked you. I mean, I know a lot of people, unless they've been living in a cave this area, they know who you are. And so um, they know that you're an effective leader. But let's talk a little bit about some of your stats, if you will, and why we feel like that you um, you know, are, are an effective leader. Um, Coach Gutton was a second baseman for the Bears, um, and he played for Coach Bill Rowe, and then he served as an assistant for Coach Rowe. Um, besides being the second longest tenured coach in the sport, he ranks second in terms of active wins, 1,373 wins. That's a lot of, a lot of happy There's nights. There's some losses that are along with that, Jenny. Yeah. Don't worry when you go that long. <laughs> we didn't go to the other side of the dash. I didn't okay. go to the other <laughs> So, you know, this, that's pretty incredible that you also have guided the Bears to 12 NCAA tournament appearances and um, Missouri Valley Conference. You've run, won 10 titles there. You've earned Conference Coach of the Year honors seven times. Um, as and you've coached six first round picks, and as my dad would say, blah 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 blah. <laughs> we could keep going, but it's only an hour show. Um, but but incredible resume, yes. Um, and I know that you're very humble, and you don't like talking about yourself in in this capacity as a leader, um, because it's really coaching is your lifestyle, and it's what you do. But if I asked you to to just define in general sense, what do you think is an effective leader, or why have you been an effective leader? What would your definition be? I think it's more what you do than what you say. So you kind of have to be an example and kind of set the role for those guys. And, you know, you want them to follow, follow in the right way. So you have to be an example. Nobody's perfect all the time with it, but you have to be consistent every day. 
in your approach, <clears throat> they're not going to trust you and respect you as a leader until you're transparent with them and you earn that trust. But if you have that trust, you can be an effective leader. I think that is huge. Um, and, and then you said the word consistency. Um, you can't just one day decide when you're in a good mood to build these relationships, and then when you're in a bad mood, bring those relationships. No, you've already got that with the players. Right. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to be the consistent one and the let, them, let them build off that. And, uh, you know, it's hard to do when you're a young coach and all you're thinking about is the next win or trying to get the next win. And uh, But as you mature in age, you kind of get a better feel for creating those relationships. <laughs> I think effective leaders have to have people skills. They have to be able to connect on a level of trust. Obviously, they have to have work ethic, and they have to have some knowledge. I think more so the people skills are the most important thing. I would say knowledge is third after people skills and work ethic. Mm -hmm. Because really, I mean, to be honest, coaching is, is you're a salesman. You're a salesman. I mean, you're selling all, um, you're selling roles on the team. You're selling, you know, you're selling a lot of your offensive strategies, your defensive strategies. I mean, coaches sell a lot of those things and you've got to be personable enough to get the buy-in, um, at, for, from the team at large with all the different personalities that you have. No question about it. And <clears throat> after a while, as you build that culture, sort of speak and set your standards, your older players lend a bigger hand in that and they know what you want, and they in turn command that locker room. And when they lead, then you have something special. Is there something that you wish you would have known um, as a leader um, when you first started coaching that you know now? Don't yell as much. What? <laughs> <laughs> All of the alumni players, I do have this recorded. <laughs> no, they're the ones that get on me because I don't yell m much oh, yeah. anymore. I said, do you he remember when? I said, honestly, I don't remember. That's too far back. But <laughs> I think I would have probably been a lot more patient uh, when I started if I could do it over again, but it takes time. Yeah, and, and like you said, building those relationships um, over winning at all costs is probably um, a priority, would you say? Now, wasn't yeah. when I started. Right. There, Absolutely yeah. not. Be the yeah. first to admit it. Yeah. Because you you're, you're young. It was my first head coaching job. You want to prove yourself. You want to show you're worthy of getting that position and you're more concerned about winning than anything else, and certainly we still want to do that, but that's not as big a priority as it once was. So you've got um, season starting soon. What's 37 days. 37 days. And, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, you've announced your retirement. Um, do you have any different mentality going into that first part of practice as a leader, knowing that um, that this this is the, the curtain call, if you will? No, not really. And I, I think the reason I wanted to do it was, one, to be transparent with our current players and let them know that this would not impact their future in any way. And two, from a recruiting standpoint, when we would bring in uh, prospective players, we wanted them to know that we, in our mind, had a transition plan that the university does and will announce this spring in place. So we wanted to be up front with everyone, and we thought that was a good time to do it. I think that's um, that's somebody that really cares about the program. First. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. So, you know, you've got an exciting group coming back. Um, just give us a little, just a, a little snapshot of what to expect this season. Well, the portal has helped us, Jenny, a great deal. And people cuss the portal. And so do we if we lose somebody. But we've been very fortunate in the last few years that it's been in existence 
I don't think we've actually lost a player that pitched a lot of innings or played a lot of innings. We've been pretty fortunate, and we have six portal transfers this year, and I can honestly say that I think every one of the six will be a good contributor without any question. So uh, two are SEC guys, three are Division Two guys, uh, but they can all help the program, help the team, and they've come in and they've blended well. And, you know, we have some new people, but we also have two all-conference pitchers returning. So uh, some valuable position players. Zach Stewart was a freshman All-American from Lebanon. Cody Kelly's back. Tag Gollard's back. So we have four or five everyday players back, along with some portal guys and some Juco guys. I think it's a good mix. Yeah. And, and you know, when you, you talk about the portal, a lot of college coaches cuss it because they're recruiting not for their future, but they're actually recruiting their current roster, too. They've got to continually recruit. Um, how, you know, how do you keep that retention level so high? Luck so far? <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, I, I think, it, again, if you build a relationships, they're less apt to leave. You know, we don't, our sport probably doesn't pay as much as football and, and basketball do. We have not, as a program, been involved with the NIL, and obviously that's a huge perk for football and basketball when guys go from one place to the other, but... I mean, there's going to come a day where our guys, somebody's going to see them. They're going to want to maybe pursue them, but we've been fortunate that they've wanted to stay. I think that's fantastic. Well, that might have something to do with you being an effective leader and then wanting to be around. Uh, you won't say that, so I will. Um, all right, so let's talk about this effective leadership. There's lots of different leadership models out there. Um, I mean, I have my own leadership model, but we're actually not going to talk about that one tonight. You are a walking leadership model, if I may. <laughs> I just called you a model. <laughs> That's the first. Yeah, I don't know how that. But you, you know, you have your leadership philosophy, as you just expressed. Um, we we're going to talk about one that um, from Dr. Tommy Burnett. Did you ever get a chance to meet him over at Missouri State? Very often. Or, yeah, I was. You know, he was the head of the PE department, and I taught just one course in the PE department. Had a great relationship with Tommy. He's he's the best. Well, yes, I kind of like him as well. He's also my father, full disclosure. But he had a leadership philosophy, and he talked about the different ingredients. And we talked about four main ingredients that you have to have for leadership. And this was one of the models that he um, he, he did speak on this model um, quite a bit. But the first one was what you've already talked about, and that was personal skills, that you need personal skills. He also talked about competencies that we'll discuss, ethics, and physical appearance so that's going to be a well, I'm going good to try, one i'm going to work on getting taller yeah. Jenny. let's see if i can work on that one but these i don't think these m&ms are going to help me yeah <laughs> <We're> gonna, <laughs> well they'll help you grow that's for sure but not in the right place. right well we'll um we'll dive into to some of those and we're going to look at those four ingredients all right so let's uh take our first break and when we come back we'll continue with coach keith gutton i want to thank great southern bank for being our presenting sponsor we'll be right back here on a coach's perspective Hey, it's a proven fact. Scientific studies, professional dietitians, they all agree. 
The ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And Highland Dairy has the best tasting chocolate. And they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. Well, we're back with Coach Keith Gutton, and we're talking about um, a leadership model that Dr. Tommy Burnett developed. Um, and the first ingredient um, is personal skills. Um, and he talked about those personal skills needing um, and breaking those down. Um, you need humor. You need character. You need respect for others, um, including officials. You need courage. You need accomplishment. You need perseverance, competitiveness, and teamship. And I think that's something that, um, you know, all of those different things, putting that into personal skills, is probably going to be one of the hardest to to accomplish. Um, did, hey, did you ever hear about the pop fly? Wait, never mind. It's over your head. So there you go. There's a little humor. Got that one. Check that box. <laughs> Let's talk about courage. I want you to talk a little bit about courage. Um, uh, he used to. He played football for the University of Arkansas, and he used to say the first couple weeks they did all these drills, and they they nicknamed them the suitcase drills because the coaches would go, you know, walk up and down and say suitcases are going to be popping tonight. And so, um, what is your preseason like? How do you separate the alligators and lizards? Well, we instituted something new this fall, and uh, I don't know if the name that we named it could be set on here. But uh, we did some early work. Some, we just did some conditioning and some strength training and some testing very early on. And uh, they all made it through. And I think it helped the team chemistry and bonding. And, uh, you know, we had a graduate assistant that came in that had played another Division One program. And he brought some things that they had done out there that we've adapted in regard to making sure that our players are meeting the standards and we call it pay the rent so anything they do that violates team policy or comes off as unselfish or something off the field not game related not performance related but could be study hall a training room something on campus could be not taking care of equipment not cleaning the locker room so these are all kind of recorded and at the end of the week They pay the rent with some extra conditioning. And regardless of whether you are involved in the violation, they all do them together. And we go over what they did wrong, loudly, and then they run for it. And uh, at the beginning of the fall, there there was a lot of rent paid. And as we move forward, there was less rent paid. That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, does the rent lower? I would say that it probably does uh, because they get the, get, get the idea. And well, that again, peer pressure. If, You're if using the freshmen pressure. are committing all the violations, then somebody needs to speak with them. Yes, yes. Um, all right, so, so let's talk about perseverance um, as one of the elements of personal skills. You've got to have that perseverance as a coach. You've got to get through um, those tough times. You've got to know that when you fail, it's failing forward. But how do you help players out of a slump, whether it's pitching or batting? How do you help them out of a, a slump and get them back on track? Well, sometimes you can relate stories from the past and use other individuals as models that so-and-so went through this exact same thing, and now they're look at the career they've had in college and maybe moved on. You know, we're fortunate. We have a consultant uh, that helps us with those things. But uh, I don't know if there's one sugar pill, but, again, it goes back if – if there's trust, uh, that helps a great deal. They're going to listen to you, and you've got to form that relationship. 
I, I agree. I think perseverance um, oftentimes is very personalized. So something that, you know, that's one of the ways that you have to get to know your players because what works for one player is probably not going to work for another player. Agree? Yeah, and you can take perseverance and certainly not limit it to your team or sports or mm-hmm. you can do it with anything. And you're not going to be very successful in life unless you realize there's going to be a lot of detours on the way. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about how, you know, sports mirror life and all the lessons you learn. But I, I think the number one lesson by far is developing your coping skills to get through those t- times of adversity and, pers- and and having to persevere. Yeah, and it's it's a lot harder at 18 to 22 to know that the sun's going to come up tomorrow and, you know, things aren't really as bad as they seem. But, again, you can give them some of your own past experiences to help them. I agree. All right. Well, another element of personal personal skills is competitiveness. Um, now, I, I look at that as stubbornness, so I can see why that would be a great quality for you because you are very stubborn in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. That's not that's a compliment in, in athletics. You know, to be stubborn, you're competitive, um, and you you get a, a, that perseverance as well. Um, there's a there's a combination of of kind of concentration, discipline through that perseverance. So how do you elevate, like if you've got a player that is a little bit apathetic, um, but they're skilled, um, but how, how do you get them to be a little bit more competitive? Well, I think you let them know that they have a certain degree of talent and they're not really getting the most out of that. And I think, you know, at this level of college baseball, whether they're good enough or not, they all aspire to keep playing. And, you know, when people that come around and watch them perform and they see talent, they also look at the other things just as importantly in terms of competitiveness, uh, how they rebound, how tough they are mentally and physically. And, you know, if you aspire to move on, these are things you're going to have to change. And uh, if not, you're going to be a good college player. Yeah, little input equals output. Um, yeah, we're, we've got one guy right now on our team that's got a load of talent, but uh, he needs to show a little more perseverance right. on the bad days. And and I think this seems to be, um, I don't want to use the word rampant, but it does seem to be rampant through college athletics um, that I find with some of my sports clients is is they just have such a fear of making mistakes um, that I look at it as a as them as a human being instead of just made a mistake, move on, learn learn from it, and fail forward. Well, in a perfect world, you try to recruit people that don't look at things that way, but it doesn't certainly always work out that way. But, <clears throat> I mean, those are the, the, the people that succeed in the big scheme of things can get past things. Mm-hmm. I mean, call it the midnight rule, call it whatever you want, you know, next day, everybody has their own saying, but you have to learn to let it go and move on or your career will end sooner than you want it to. What about what about you as a coach? Do you what are your techniques or how do you let things go? Because you know there's times where <laughs> a lot better than I used to. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I mean it is you take a lot of ownership when you're a coach of a team, and when they make mistakes, uh, you made mistakes, and so how how do you handle um how do you handle shaking that and going to that that next day? Knowing there's going to be one, there's going to be another game. There's been two thousand games, so. Um, you know, there's always a next day. You can learn from losing. I'd rather learn learn from winning, but you can lose. You know, you can learn from losing if you have that taste. <laughs> That's not, hard to not say. As good as those M and M's. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but you can you can you can take lessons from any game 
if you'll just kind of separate the emotional part, which, again, as a young coach, I didn't do very well. Yeah, that is something I think you learn with experience as well. All right, so another element is teamship. Uh, that's a big one, in my opinion. Um, they've, you've got to be able to work with people. You've got to be able to have that teamship, not just on, you know, with the players, but with your coaching staff. Um, and the whole team chemistry has to be on, on both. So how, if you're having a team chemistry issue, what are some of the ways that, that you could improve that from the coaching standpoint? Talk to different players and get them involved. And we don't have necessarily appointed captains. We have kind of a leadership group that we've selected of people that we trust. They don't have to all be seniors. And when there's an issue, we bring them in and we just speak to them about it and have them kind of serve it back to the team. And, you know, you read this all the time and there's some truth in it. The great teams are player-led. Good teams are coach-led. And I think there is some truth in that. Just looking back at some of the teams we've had, when we've had great leaders, that really took ownership of the team Those have been some of our best teams. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, I think there's a lot of power in that peer pressure and that positive peer pressure. Um, and they can fix a lot of the chemistry things um, by, by doing that, going from the inside out, trying to fix those. Something I would say to each team at the beginning of the fall and the beginning of the spring is the more you're together off the field, the more you're going to be together on the field. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on a large college campus, you know, you may not see people other than when they're there in the locker room or practicing a game. So you've got to make an effort to be together off the field as well. Do you have organized team activities that you do on occasion? We have a few, but, you know, we prefer to let the players organize their own. But we we have a few each semester. That's nice. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the next ingredients, if you will. So personal skills. Um, let's go to competencies. Competencies. We talked about this. Uh, you got to know your stuff. I mean, plain and simple. You got to know your stuff. You got to be able. And I think the X's and O's are important. But you know, I also feel like um, ex- effective leaders continue to learn. Um, and so there's professional development um, for for coaches. There's professional development. You know, even. Um, for coaching staffs and players and leaders. So how important do you think that is to continue? Like now you've gone from going to clinics probably to speaking at the clinics, but how do you? Uh, well, I think you, you try to stay current because things change. And if you're doing what you did five years ago, you're not current because the information changes that fast. And now, you know, when I started, basically you'd go to the national convention. You may have a, a friend at another school where you talk about hitting or pitching or something you'd read books but now it's at the snap of a finger i mean it's all there anything there's too much there you could read it every night all night and be more confused at the end of the day (laughs) than when you started but i think if you can find a mentor or two that you really believe in and trust somebody you can talk to i think that can be really helpful for any coach how has the the training and the preparation techniques um, changed from when you first started coaching to now? Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. If you go back and look at old videos of professional players in our sport, mechanically they're pretty sound. If you really break it down, the ones that have success or they wouldn't have success. But now it's just there's so many different ways to get information and use it, I think, the important thing is for you to understand it, of which I have my assistants help me with that. And But don't make the players feel like they have to be able to memorize, understand. I used to talk, what I one of my favorite sayings about hitting 
is you don't have to write a book about it. You just have to be able to do it. And I think sometimes there's so much out there. I don't think I want my players on the Internet every night reading about from 20 different hitting gurus. I mean, that's a mess. That is so that can mess he, with your mentality. I still think from when I started till now, if we can explain it correctly, we can break it down. We're going to try to simplify it so they make it easier for them to learn. Well, what about as far as like preparing? Like, do you get dive into like nutrition um, and talk a little bit about sleep patterns and things like that with your athletes? Well, we're fortunate we have Natalie on our staff over there, and she's really good. So she meets with the team early in the fall, and then we'll meet with any individual about you in our sport it's more about putting it on usually than than taking it off but there's a lot of good questions that come up about pregame meals and when should i stay away from certain foods and then there's food allergies but she's been you know we in in the last several years and, and credit to the coach row and the kyle Motes. i mean we've added nutritionists you know we have our own mental health coordinator now with sean freeman mm-hmm. has just come over right he's uh, so those are pieces that we didn't have years ago and i think they've been very very important for all the athletes at missouri state i agree there's a lot of different angles that you can take so competencies um, and always learning and staying current i love that Um, all right well we're going to take our final break and we're going to come back and continue talking about this uh, leadership model and being an effective leader with coach keith gutton i want to thank highland dairy for sponsoring this segment along with greg and melinda burnett as they support local and thoughtful radio we'll be right back here on a coach's perspective This segment sponsored by Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar. Hey, they know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, they know service, they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Kelly Grant, Shane Rainey, you've got to give them a call. They'll do a coast-to-coast search, find exactly what you're looking for, and bonus, it will be in your price range. Call them at 417-326-7671. We also want to thank West Logging. Go to westlogging.com or find Danny West on Facebook. He will give you a free consultation and treat your land like his own. And thank you to Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. So we're talking about um, uh, Dr. Tommy Burnett's um, thoughts on leadership and the four main ingredients of personal skills, competencies, ethics, and physical appearance. So we talked already about um, um, the other, the first two. Let's talk ethics. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, the class and the integrity um, is is very important. I mean, we talk about sports and life mirroring. That is something that is some that you know the ethical decisions that a coach has to face um, is is something that is really important. So I'm going to give you a couple of ethical scenarios and see how see how you do. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right, uh, you make a great hit, right? Put yourself in a player perspective. You make a great hit. Uh, you're running the bases um, in a ball game. You miss second base, but the umpire does not see that. You score a triple. What do you do? You stand on third. You stand on third. <laughs> what do you do if you're the coach and you see that they missed second base? You're the coach of the hitter? Yeah. yeah. What you, do you do if you, you see something? stay in the coaching you box. Stay, you stay in the That's coaching box. That's why we have officials, Jenny. <laughs> That's their job to well, see that. You know, 
I love that angle because same thing in basketball. I'm not going to say, hey, we fouled down there and you didn't call it. That's no, an I, interesting angle. We're not trying to cheat there. Right, right. This is part of the game. It's also the responsibility of the middle infielders to look back over their shoulder and see if they touched it, yeah. which we remind ours to do all the time, and sometimes they don't. But right. that's not cheating. Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, let's say you have um, – Oh, I'll give you a scenario that 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 occur. Let's say you have a player um, that uh, two player two opposing players get into it. All right, a batter and a pitcher they get into it. Uh, they're nose to nose and they're having an altercation. Um, you know the the umpires uh, in basketball you get a technical. Um, you know, but they they send them to the benches. All right, so let's say that they're sent to the benches. One of the players on your team is um continues to mouth a different player. yes no no same player okay. he comes out of the vent the dugout and he continues to mouth he continues to um to, to throw different offensive things offensive language he has to be restrained by two of your players and an assistant coach um he finally calms down and then he starts in again has to be restrained again one of your assistant coaches has to um escort him off the field um, to the locker room to try to calm him down. In the meantime, um, he rips off his jersey, um, throws a tantrum on his way there. So Haven't had this happen. I know, right? Um, this actually <laughs> happened in another sport that I'm just relating to. So, then you, so they come back out. The other coach, the other player, still in the dugout, not coming back in. So finally they come back out. The player um, um, sits on, on the bench, and the coach goes down and says, do you put him in or do you not put him in? No, I think he's taken himself out of the game at this point. Yes. Well, when I was watching this occur, the coach did put him back in. And the other coach thought it was the right thing to leave him out. I mean, they both got technical and they both continued to mouth. But then he said, well, if you're putting your guy in, I'm putting my guy in. And they and they guarded each other. So what do you think happened? More. <laughs> it continued. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're so, only in charge of your team. Right. So tell me, but what are your thoughts on, um, you know, because this, you know, a lot of times, you know, in basketball, for example, they get a technical. I mean, I had players that got technicals on occasions. You've had players that have been ejected. If, if, but in basketball, you can put them back in. I usually would say it depended on the situation. If they'd get control of themselves and get back in it, I'd wait a while and put them back in. But, but you can get a warning in baseball, sort of speak. And then it's up to your discretion as a coach, what you want to do with them. And if they've, done something in my judgment that's gone over the line then i'll tell them to go to the locker room but uh you have to i think evaluate that case by case on what they do i agree i agree because i have put players back in after a while they've owned it but if they continue and they have to be restrained and they're that's calling, over the line yes that's over the line okay good thank you you can stay um <laughs> um you know so how do you how do you have you ever made a decision for the greater good, like this is the right decision to make, and it costs you a game? I can't think of a specific instance of one game, but I can think of making decisions with players and maybe eliminating them from the group that would probably have hurt the team in terms of performance. And you got to put the team first, period, in everything you do. I think I think that's the hard part sometimes that young coaches 
uh, face is trying, they have this, um, you know, win at all costs mentality and they want to do whatever they can. And sometimes the ethical side of it may get swept under the rug. So what would you say to those young coaches about the importance of having that class and integrity? I think you'll look back and go, that was pretty stupid. But you and I have the experience of having been a young coach and you were a middle-aged coach and now I'm an old coach and we can look back and go, that's, we probably should have handled that a little bit differently. Yeah. So that's the only thing I could give a young coach is the experience of what I've seen. All right, so let's, let's uh, if you don't mind, putting yourself out there. Have you, you've been ejected from games? That's correct. <laughs> We, we don't need to rehash exactly what happened. No. No. But do you think it helped or hurt? Because <laughs> I, I've gotten technicals before, and sometimes that would fire my team up, and we would come back and win a game we probably shouldn't have. <laughs> I can tell you that I never got ejected with the sole purpose of firing my team up. That doesn't yeah. enter my mind. Now, am I going to fight for them if I think there's something wrong, maybe a rule interpretation or somebody didn't hustle on the field? I'm going to fight for them, and sometimes I'm going to be ejected. But I don't. I've never gone out there with, "Gosh, I need to fire up my team." Yeah, same. If I but if they're not fired up by now, right. something's wrong. Yeah, and sometimes that's just a. a it's nice a byproduct. I had a point. Yeah. I got ejected last year, once. What? Yes, just well, actually twice. But in this one instance, player came up to me after the game and said, "Hey, after that, things changed." There you now, go. It's not the objective of I, what no, you're trying I, to that, do. That's never. That's not why it happened, but yeah. I, I think you have to fight for your players. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be obscene. You know, it doesn't have to get out of hand. Uh, the rules have changed, too, in our sport. We can't go on the field. Cannot go on between the white lines. If it's if you want to talk to the home plate umpire, you can't go in the dirt. We have replay at almost every game because most games are on ESPN+. Plus. Right. And I think in our game, at our level, replay has helped tremendously. Mm-hmm in every way, shape, or form, and I think the officials would tell you that as well. I agree. So what's, uh, what, what is the, what's your trigger? What's the trigger? Is it um, something that can just send you, it, let's say, into, into orbit um, and, and I think if an official that. said something inappropriate to one of our players. Hmm. That'll do it. Yes. That's definitely th- a trigger. I think that would do it, yeah. yeah. And, and that's rare. Most of these guys are very professional, and I think officiating's improved dramatically over when i started uh there's a lot more training they're held to a higher standard so much video they want to aspire to be in postseason so i think all those things have helped our officiating get much better without a doubt without a doubt i agree all right i've got another scenario for you all right um you're on a break and um you walk up behind a group of players and they are um, getting a drink of water what do you mean i'm on a break you're on uh, yeah you give them a water break do they get water breaks or drink breaks they can drink whenever they want i mean we don't have like a specific time but uh all right so let's say there is a group getting a getting a drink and they're Mm -hmm. sitting around talking and you hear um a couple of players that um don't agree with uh, some of the practice drills that they're doing or for uh, or the game strategy prep that that you're working on during that practice how do you handle that well (laughs) I guess the on the airway would be to <laughs> go down at the other end and cool off, yeah. try to cool off for a little bit, and then come back and try to have a more objective 
adult conversation uh, and explain why we're doing these things and how they may benefit you. Yeah. Not saying I would do that. I'm just saying right. that's the way it should be done. <laughs> well, and, and what I like about that is is I think that is sometimes, you know, a younger coach probably wouldn't even try to get gather their thoughts. Um, but being able to try and explain why we're doing it, that, that takes a lot of um, – takes a lot of effort a lot of patience um that's that would be difficult to do it's a good answer on the radio yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> agree agree i would also hope that if i stuck around long enough that i would hear one of my leaders hopefully diffuse that i would hope that would be um, without a doubt yeah that would be nice as well um what about uh, assistant coaches that that challenge some of the philosophies or decision making that you make um that that question was actually sent in um, by a listener um, a couple of weeks ago when we were we had another show and I, I never got to that question but I really like that question because you know this is your team that's your coach well, I think team. there's a time and a place certainly yeah. and you've been a head coach and you, you may have been an assistant right. coach and <clears throat> I think you want assistant coaches that'll challenge you behind closed doors right and not be afraid to speak up and we've been fortunate we've we've had that um, in the people we've had but I mean, I don't think there's room for that in the middle of the field during practice or a game. I think that's got to be done tactfully, respectfully, and appropriately behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would ask for that. I always ask for that, you know, with that caveat. You know, I would just don't hesitate to tell me, you know, but, you know, obviously in, in private. But I think that's something that um, this coach is struggling with is having a hard time addressing some of the assistant coaches. Feels like he's being undermined by them. Well, it goes back to relationships and trust. Yeah. And, you know, if you can't trust somebody, they probably need to go somewhere else. You're right. They don't need, they don't need to be in that, um, in that trust circle, if you will. All right, so let's go to the next one. Um, and this one, I think, is it makes me smile whenever, you know, I think this is a main ingredient of effective leadership, physical appearance. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you got to be the best-looking person on the block, Right. Um, but where that's coming from is the um, the discipline that you have to have, you know, the pride that you have to have and how you present yourself and how you um, – and, and I think that's something that's very important. I mean, if you come in, you know, looking sloppy, you're going to be sloppy. You know, you come in with a little bit more discipline, that, that does – so your physical appearance can be a lot of things. Yeah, I think you want to look the part. I mean, I think you want to set an example. I mean, athletes need to stay fit, obviously, and you want to – Try to set a little bit of an example there. I mean, you may not be able to do the things you used to do, but uh, you you certainly want to stay fit. I don't think it's as important as the other areas we discussed, but you don't want to look like a slob. I think I think that's important. Now, you you don't have to pick out an outfit for every game; it's picked out for you. Pretty much. (laughs) So that's a little different. Um, But I I mean, I have a little bit of a problem with now today. I mean, uh, collegiate coaches, professional coaches. a lot of them are are not dressing professional for games, and I know that that is kind of an outcome from you know COVID um, when they there was a different flair and a different flavor, and they they were coaching and you know matching pullovers. But that that hasn't moved. I watched an NCAA Division One coach in sweatpants um, the other night, um, and that's to me that's not okay. I don't like that. Well, in our sport, for about half the season, our dress is trying to stay warm. <laughs> That's I mean, true. Literally trying to get true. as many layers as you can to pre- prevent freezing. But uh, yeah, I think you want to look good in a uniform or look good on the sideline and set an example. Certainly. Right. 
You're not going to wear a dirty one. You at least Febreze it out, right? Yeah. Between games. <laughs> but I, I think as far as, you know, the physical appearance, I also think that trickles down to teams. Um, you know, I, we, I was a little bit, I guess a little bit crazy on that. When we would go visit someplace, we would wear our travel suits and I wanted their jackets zipped up. I wanted them all looking alike. I wanted to have matching bags. I wanted to look like a team and unified when we walked into that arena. So, I mean, I feel like that physical appearance, that's part of it as well, is being able to have that teamship. I see your point. I don't mm-hmm. know that I've ever been a huge stickler on that personally, and that's just my own personal philosophy. Uh, I don't want you to look bad, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like we all have to look the same, and I don't think if we all put on the same shirt, it's going to make us closer or a better team, just my opinion. So I was talking to a coach this week about the show, and he <laughs> said, uh, ask Coach Gutton what he thinks about long hair um, and I wish earrings I and tattoos. And I said, I, I think that's kind of outdated, um, but I shouldn't. Should so when I started, we had a hair policy. Um, there were no tattoos back then, mm-hmm. and I had an earring policy. Okay, so now I don't have a hair policy. I don't have a facial hair policy. <laughs> tattoos don't bother me, and most are hidden, and I still have an earring policy. Yeah. I've just never been able to get past that one, and that's just a personal thing for me. Right, and that's something that's changed. This is a baseball coach that was asking because he's tried to implement um, a hair policy um, and got a lot of pushback from it. What level? Um, at the high school level. Well, I can understand it. Yeah. If, you know, again, to me, that's a little bit of a personal preference. I mean, you can make all your guys cut their hair. That doesn't mean you're going to have discipline on your team. That's true. And That's you can have true. guys with beards and long well, hair, and you watch them play in their discipline, and I'd rather have that. Well, and we can get off the bus and have our jackets all zip, but does that mean we're going to play with discipline? No. Yeah. Well, it could. Don't say no. Yeah, if you no, play no, with absolutely. discipline and you look disciplined, that's, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a trick, trick question there for you. Um, so, so just to kind of wrap this up, you know, those, those four ingredients, I definitely value those. Um, I, I think there's a lot of different leadership models out there, and we're going to talk about a lot of those through this effective leadership model. Um, but if there is just one thing that has stood out from what we have talked about that you really want young coaches to, and athletes and parents to hear, um, what is it about being an effective leader in, in not just sports but in life? Well, you have to develop real relationships that can be lasting based on trust. And if you have those, you're going to be successful in any facet, whether it's sports, business, or politics. And I think that's a really good place to start. I would say that one, work ethic two, knowledge three. If I was an adventure to guess, you've held a lot of trophies over your head. Um, That's wonderful. But probably your favorite part of coaching is when you go to weddings or when you go to graduations or keep in touch with Yeah, I think when the guys stay in touch after they leave, that that tells you what you need to know. And if they don't, that also tells you what you need to know. So at the end, when you're done coaching, you've got some hopefully some good memories and some great relationships. I think that's that's very well said. Um, Well, I really appreciate you being our first effective leader and kicking off this, um, this series. Thanks for having me, and I think you wanted the oldest guy first. <laughs> but it was worth it for the M&Ms. Right, there it goes. Everybody, he works cheap, I'm telling you. Just <laughs> rank some M&M, peanut M&Ms. Next time. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's the key right there. But I really appreciate it, and, and I, I want to thank you very much for being here. We're going to move, move into our post-game talk, uh, sponsored by Story Construction. Story Construction 
has been operating since 1966. They're family-owned and operated. You can go to story, S-T-O-R-E-E dot com for more information. You can go to a acoachesperspective.com for show lineups, um, previous shows, and, and the, you can also subscribe to the website, and you'll be put into a drawing for some cash, which is very exciting. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. All right, so um, next week we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to have a coach here. We're going to have a business owner here, and I'm very excited about that. Do you know a guy named Scott Nasby? Have you do you know him? There's a good leader right, right? there. Right, there we go. He's coming on, and we're going to have a business owner that's going to be in here as well and talk about some of the parallels of effective leadership of being a coach and being a business leader. So for this post-game talk, you know, as we stated earlier, at one time or another, uh, we will take on a leadership role in our lives, um, in sports, in our careers, and in our families. Um, there's always a desire to be effective, but the real effective leader knows that it takes hard work. It takes being determined to fight for the greater good of the team, organization, or family. And it takes effort to build those relationships, as you heard my guests say over and over tonight. Um, It takes someone willing to do the hard stuff, take the unwarranted heat for others, and to own responsibility of actions. It's not easy, but that's why the word effective is before it. There will be learning curves, and how one embraces those curves and what they do about them is the difference between leaders and effective leaders. And that is how champions do it. And I'm going to remind you, as I do each and every week, be a good human. Live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.